good evening and thank you for joining the Voice of Many podcast show with Yolanda and our co-host, Miss Vanessa. This afternoon, yes, I'm all grands. We're both all grands. Um, our guest is one who I can say, if you love music, you come to the right place. If you love a wonderful ballad, you've come to the right place. Our guest um, is a well-known love of piano music. Uh, he is here to bless us with the story behind his music. He's a songwriter. Um, he just doesn't write songs. He's a photographer. He's an entrepreneur. Um, he's a tech, just like myself. <laughs> um, and, well, we've had many, many years under our belt with telecommunications. But most of all, um, he's written over 120 songs. He's created 14 albums, um, and the list goes on and on. We are thrilled to have with us Mr. Dave Combs, and he is going to embrace us with his presence, his smile, and his joy. Um, welcome, Dave. It's such a pleasure to have you. Well, the pleasure is mine, uh, Yolanda and Vanessa. It's a real joy to be with you two young ladies to this evening. This is great. <laughs> oh, thank you. And so for, for time's sake, but like I say, we can definitely have you back on. would love to. I must put that out there already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how did the song get its name? We're, we're talking, those listening and, and, and watching, we're talking about this world famous song that Dave Combs has has written and it's called Rachel's Song. So if you will, Dave, let's, you know, just tell us about it. How how did it get started? How did it come back come about? Well, it of course it started as a tune with no name. Mm. And I wrote this tune in nineteen and eighty one. It was January of that year. I was I'd gotten home from my job at uh, Western Electric, and my way of relaxing when I come home in the evening is usually just to sit down at the piano and just play something and relax. It just music has that way of effect on me. Well, that particular evening, I sat down at the keyboard and I just started playing this tune. And it was a song, and I played it from the beginning to end. And it wasn't a song that I had ever heard before. It didn't have a name, and I have no idea at, at no at the time where it came from. It just I just played it, and I, I really believe that that song was an inspiration. It was literally a gift to me from from God. That's that's my only explanation because I did not sit down to write a song. I didn't really have to work at it. I just played it. It was like the song already existed. I heard it in my head as I was playing it. And it, it has never changed since then, the tune and the core, all the, the structure of the song. So that was the writing of, I, I, I hesitate to even call it writing a song. It was, I played the song for the first time on this earth. And so that was in uh, January of 1981. My wife came home from work a couple of days later and she says, Dave, I, what is the name of this song that I have had stuck in my head all day long? I've been humming it. And I, you play it all the time on the piano. And, and what's the name of it? And she hummed a little bit of it. And I said, doesn't have a name. She says, what? 
<laughs> it doesn't have a name. You play it all the time. I said, well, I guess it's just something I made up. That's the way I described it. And so she, Linda, my wife, got all excited. She says, well, have you written it down? I said, no, I've, I've got it up here. I'm not going to forget it. So she says, no, 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 you, you've got to write that down. Something might happen to you and that song would be gone because I would never remember it the way you played it. So I said, okay. So yes, ma'am, I'll write it down. I wrote it down, put it in my piano bench. Well, forward about two years later, some good friends of ours had a little baby girl. Her name was Rachel. And her parents asked me and Linda to be her godparents. So we're sitting there in the church at little Rachel's christening service. It's just us and the family and the minister. And uh, up at the front of the church on the platform is a piano, much like you see over my shoulder here, a, a, a grand piano. And at the end of the formal part of the service, I punched Linda and I said, you know that song we've been trying to think of a name of forever and ever? Mm -hmm. I said, what about me playing it now as part of this service? She said, that's a great idea. So I went up and asked the family and the minister if it'd be okay if I played this a, a tune on the piano. And they said, okay. So I walked over to the piano, sat down, and I started playing this tune. I got most of the way through it, and I hear this <clears throat> clearing throats and sniffles and you know people were getting emotional including me I, I had some tears running down my cheeks because both of you all know if you go to a christening service for a beautiful little baby girl or boy either one it's a precious service and it's very touching very emotional well you layer on top of that a song that really tugs at your heartstrings and, and you're going to turn on the tear ducts it's, it's just uh, it's going to do something with you so at the end of the song i i as I finished playing it, I looked up and the little Rachel being held in the arms of her mother. I said, from now on, this song will be called Rachel's Song in her honor. And Vanessa and Yolanda, that is how Rachel's Song got its name. Wow. I, I, want, to, I want to ask you something before we even go any further. Can you play a, a couple of strains, a couple of lines of Rachel's song for us? Uh, I'm, that's a green screen piano. That is my piano, but it, uh -huh. the real piano is upstairs. upstairs. Okay. Room. All right. I'm sorry I can't, but <laughs> I wish okay. I could just turn, turn right around here and play it for you. <laughs> well, we'll do those listening and watching. We will make sure you get a chance to, to hear his music. Yeah, well, um, there is a real easy way that because I don't want people bailing out of the of the podcast right now and go listen to it. <laughs> but when we finish, I'm going to tell you a simple, just almost two click way to go and play and hear Rachel's song for yourself. Yeah, it is very very simple. We'll, we'll I, make I, had a, I had a I had the honor of listening to it, and I was like, yeah, it, it definitely is very. Very touching. You did a wonderful job. Wonderful job with with that. And um, I, Vanessa, I'm, I'm gonna let you go. I'll, I'll let you go. Go ahead. <laughs> How did you get your music to be played on the radio stations all over the country? Well, after I got it named in 1983, three years later, I got it recorded as a demo as a, prof a professional recording by a professional musician in Nashville. 
as a demo recording. And the artist that I've used to, to play, arrange and play it for me, his name is Gary Prim. Mm -hmm. And Gary did such a marvelous job with the arrangement and performing of mm -hmm. Rachel's song. And what you hear when, when you're, we're through with the podcast and you hear Rachel's song for the first time, that is the original demo recording that I got made of Rachel's song by Gary Prim. It has not been remastered and re, re uh, edited or anything. It's that is what I heard in that studio. The first time I ever heard somebody else play my music. So I was extremely touched by what I had heard this young musician, Gary Prim perform. And little did I know at the time, but Gary Prim and I would go back in the studio for about 15 years and record over 170 songs, <laughs> 120 of them I had written myself. So that relationship started with 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 Rachel's song, but it went on for uh, for the 15 years of recording and still goes on to this day because Gary and his wife, Julie, and their two kids are they're like family. I mean, we have we just uh, are just close as you can be as as family. And so once it got recorded, the next thing that happened was a friend of mine played it on his radio show. He had a big band radio show at a local FM station. He played it as part of his program. Well, the radio station phones just lit up with people calling in saying, what was that song you just played? And the radio station manager called me and he said, Dave, I've been in radio for over 20 years and this has never happened to me before. He said, our phones lit up and they haven't stopped ringing yet. He said, every time that song plays, the phones just ring. So that was the, the moment that I realized that I had to do something with this song, not just put it under a, basket, a bushel basket and hide it. I had to get it out there. This song needed to be played around the world. Mm. So I got, I got busy and I called radio stations all over the country, easy listening stations. We used to have a lot of those. We don't have very many now, but no. back then we had about 400 or so. And I got Rachel's song played on every easy listening station in the United States. And the fan mail started coming in. People were writing and calling and tracing me down. Well, I wanted a copy of this song. How do I get a copy of Rachel's song? So I had to make some CDs available. And how do I sell those? I couldn't sell them through the big box stores. They wouldn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. I didn't have a big name. They, they'd never heard of Dave Combs or Gary Prim. So I had to decide there's got to be another way. And the, the way that I stumbled upon being able to sell my music was through gift shops in tourist towns. Oh, okay. But when you when you go in a gift shop in like Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and uh, you know Occoquan, Virginia, um, let's see, Blowing Rock, North Carolina, every mm -hmm. state has their little tourist towns that people mm -hmm. love to go to on weekends. And when you go in there, you usually hear music playing. Mm -hmm. It smells good. It looks good, and it's just a kind of a pleasant place to to visit. They want you to stay in there a long time and buy a lot of stuff, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the venue for me selling my music. And uh, in fact, me and two other uh, musicians kind of invented this, this sales channel, you call it, of play and sell. That's what they call it now. But back then, it was just me and two other guys that were selling our music through gift shops. And I ended up with over a thousand gift shops over the whole country playing and selling my music. 
I had to hire an office manager to help me ship. I would buy this tapes and CDs by the pallet load, you know, 5,000 at a time. And then, you know, next thing, three or four weeks later, got to order another 5,000. So it was a lot of music that was sold through those gift shops. Because when, when you go in a gift shop, you hear pretty music, you're going to say, well, I think I'd like to take that home with me. I'd like to hear that again at home. Well, back then you bought a CD or a cassette tape and took it home with you. So that is how I developed my sales of my music through gift shops and it enabled me to quit my job from AT&T, good paying job, yeah. at, in 1992 and I've never looked back. Hmm. Well, I have to ask you too, knowing that the song was named after your godchild, Mm-hmm. How does how does she feel? How what was her? Um, when did she get to realize that this was a song for her? I wasn't around. I wasn't there when she said this, but her mother told me. She said when she was just able to talk, and a little probably two two year two or three year old little girl, she when she heard that song, she'd say, "My song, <laughs> my song." <laughs> I can just see her doing that now. That's my song. Yeah. That's, that's precious. That's definitely precious. You know, what an honor. So what prompted you to write a book? Well, all of those letters that I got from people hearing it on the radio or when they would buy my CD or cassette tape, my address was always on the back of the CD or a little tear out card in the cassette tape or whatever with my address that people could write to me. Well, write to me, they did. And I started getting letters from people that would just pour their heart and soul out about where they were or what condition they were in or what frame of mind they were in or how they were feeling when they first heard Rachel's song. It's amazing. You know, some things in your life you'll never forget where you were when that happened, like 9-11. Nobody, I think, that was alive on 9-11, they can tell you right to the minute where they were. Well, in this this case, I, all the, almost all of these letters tell me exactly where they were the first time they ever heard Rachel's song. It had that much of a powerful impact on them. Wow! Now, I've had wow. little, little babies born to my music. You know, they play the music in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had brides go down the aisle to Rachel's song, and or, or the mothers go down to the aisle, and because I do have sheet music for all my music now. So if you play the piano, you can also buy my sheet music. And you can find out about that on my website as well. So I've had all kinds of applications. I've had an emergency, and I think, aren't you, Vanessa, EMT trained as well? Yes, sir. Used to be. Used to be. Okay. Well, yes, you can sir. appreciate that. I'm sure you, when you finally got your EMT certification, you were probably pleased as punch, but you're probably nervous for now I'm going to have to practice what I learned because you, who knows what accidents or whatever trauma you're going to come upon. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a letter from a woman in New Jersey. She told me she had just gotten her certification as an EMT. She and her husband were driving home and on the way home on the sidewalk by where they were driving in the neighborhood, an elderly man collapsed right on the sidewalk. Well, as an EMT, you know, you're going to stop the car and mm-hmm. jump out and see if you can help this man. Well, she did and left the car door open. And on the car radio was instrumental music playing. 
And she went over to the man and tried to comfort him to see what was his problem was. And, and she heard that music and she yelled back to her husband and said, turn that music up loud. So he did. So the old man on the sidewalk could hear it. And she said, by the time the song finished, the man had calmed down and he was okay. And a doctor had come to, to look after him and whatever. Mm -hmm. But she said, that was unbelievable. The effect of the music calmed mm -hmm. him down. And so when they got home, she called the radio station, says, what was that song that you were playing at 6.07 p.m. tonight <laughs> on the radio? And the DJ said, he says, well, that was Rachel's song. <laughs> he didn't even have to look it up. He, I guess he'd gotten enough phone calls on that song. He knew, yep, that's Rachel's song. Here comes another call. <clears throat> so she tracked me down. He, uh, he told her how to get a copy of it and my address. And she wrote me this wonderful letter and that story. And that's just one of 50,000 letters that I've gotten about my music over the years. And you asked me why, how I came to write this book. Mm -hmm. This book was really the impetus for it was to tell my stories, a lot of whom the stories are in my book here. I've, I dedicated chapter 21. I put about 22 pages of those, just the special stories in there. Now, when you read that, I warn you, you better get a box of Kleenex because there's a bunch of stories that are going to tug at your heartstrings. So, uh, but that's kind of the reason that I wrote my book. People, all these stories about how I wrote it, how I got it recorded, how I sold it through gift shops, all these wonderful entrepreneurial, maybe inspirational stories, mm -hmm. those along with the, the music itself, being touching and inspirational was the impetus for me writing the book. And I wrote it, of course, during the pandemic when I couldn't go anywhere and do anything else anyway. So might as well stay home or write a book, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Wow. Yep. That's, that's really, that's really great. Really great. Vanessa. So what advice would you um, give to anyone who's an entrepreneur? Well, there's lots of advice, and you'll find a lot of those probably as kind of uh, morals of the story when you read my book. There's, a, I think I counted them up the other day. There's 78 little short stories in my book about uh, different things along my journey, and almost every one of those stories has a lesson, and a lesson learned for life, but a lot of lesson learned for an entrepreneur because really the music and the music business that, that came from it was an entrepreneurial story. I, you know, here I was working for Western Electric, AT&T, good job. So I had to do my music in the evenings and weekends. So, and most entrepreneurs kind of, it, some, a lot of them start that way. You've got a day job and then you, then you got your side hustle going. So uh, that's, those stories are in my book. And my advice, I guess my one major advice to somebody is, or well, there's actually two. Don't ever, first of all, don't let anybody steal your dream. Right. If you have a dream to do something with your life and you want to do something worthwhile and that's going to help people and whatever, don't let anybody talk you out of it. You're the one in charge of that. Now, once you have decided what your gifts are, whether you're a songwriter, whether you're a singer, a dancer, a, a writer, a speaker, a uh, coach, whatever your gifts are, make sure that you acknowledge those gifts and when you are able to use those gifts. And if you have an idea as to how to use those gifts to make a, a living with it, perhaps 
take action. The, the, the best thing you can do is to move forward and take some action. If you sit back and think about it all day long, you'll be thinking about it by the time you're no longer going to be on this planet. And then you'll have all these regrets. Man, I should have I should have done it. You don't want to be in the mode of I should have done this. You want to be in the mode of I, I tr and, and maybe everything doesn't work out perfect. You try this didn't work. Well, no, well, you just found, it's like Thomas Edison inventing the light bulb. He found nine hundred and ninety nine ways it wouldn't work. All he needed, though, was one tungsten. And guess what? We're all lit up today with lights everywhere because of his one discovery that did work. That's true. So, so keep keep at it. Be persistent. Be be smart about it. You got to be you don't want to be living a dream world of, of pretending like everything is OK. Mm -hmm. Look at the numbers. If if something's not working out, back up, forget, you know, go another way. Don't don't hang on to something that's not working. And just <laughs> like, you know, if you're losing uh, $10 every sale, you can't make it up in volume. You know, <laughs> mm, it's true. you can't it's just true. You can't sell more and lose more. You're, that's not a right. smart business plan. So be smart about it. Research what you're doing. Study. And another thing to gather a team of folks around you who support what you're doing and are affirmative and positive and uplifting to you. Don't be around people that are talking you down all the time. And if you if you have some of those, even if they're relatives, just if they're relatives, you can't fire them, of course. But just you don't have to be around them all the time. Surround, your, surround yourself with a team of people that feel positive about you and will help you. Now, there are things that you're going to need to know that you don't know. Mm -hmm. But you do know somebody perhaps that does. So ask that person or bring that person into the team and say, you know, I'm not real good at this, but you are. So let's work together on this. Exactly. You know, whether it's technology, some people are really good with technology. Some people have trouble turning on the light switch. You know, it's just it's just your gifts are different. So uh, so those and I'm, I know I'm rambling around around, but there's a lot of things in my book that talk about being positive and taking action and building, bringing your team around with you. And um, so it, it's not an impossible or a difficult task. It's just one that takes a lot of hard work, a lot of persistence, mm -hmm. and just keep, keep on moving ahead. Well, if you will share with those listening and watching how they can listen to your tunes. Okay. Well, the very, it's very simple. I've, I've designed my webpage to where it's just super simple. You remember my last name, which is Combs, C-O-M-B-S, mm -hmm. and it's Combs Music, all run together, C-O-M-B-S Music.com. Mm -hmm. And when you go to my home page, you're going to see a picture of my book cover on the left-hand side. And right underneath it will be a link that you can click on. It says, go to Amazon.com and buy the book or look at the book anyway. You can you can purchase the book in paperback or in an ebook as a Kindle book, or you can, if you like audible or audio books, you can listen to me read it to you for eight hours. I sit here in this same chair that I'm sitting in now and recorded every word of my book. So if you like to listen to my East Tennessee accent for eight hours, <laughs> if you, can, <laughs> you can listen to me read you the book. Now, on the right side of my Web page, you'll see a, a picture of the cover of my CD, Rachel's Song. And underneath it, you'll see a link that says, hey, go to Amazon 
And at Amazon, you can buy a CD if you still have a CD player, which that's another whole sore spot with me that we no longer can buy even a car that has a CD player. Come on. Well, anyway, that's another whole story. Uh, so, but you can also download it. You can purchase a download for the album or a song at a time. Or if you're an Apple Music subscriber, you can stream it. And there are other stream. You can stream it on Pandora and Spotify and all the other streaming facilities as well. But the main thing I want you to do is in the middle of my homepage, there's a link that says play Rachel's song. And what you're going to hear and when you play Rachel's song is the original demo recording that I got made in, in August of 1986, not been altered, nothing. You're, you're going to hear what I heard in the studio of my music being played for the first time by somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how you find out about me and my music. And I hope everybody will go to Combs Music and, you know, click on the link and listen to the music. Put on headset, put on your earbuds or, or headset or whatever so you can block out all the noise around you. I want you to hear it, all the subtle sounds that are in the music. It's, it's really special. Oh, thank you. Yes, we'll do. We'll do. We'll okay. Do. That's for sure. <laughs> oh. I want to thank you so much for being with us and telling us a little bit about your story and about your music. Well, it's been a real honor and a privilege to be with you all this evening. And uh, I hope that maybe we can do it again some other time. I have a lot more. I, I, as I said, I, this book's full of stories and I haven't even scratched the surface on the story. So we can talk <laughs> stories all night long. <laughs> okay. We'll definitely have you back, Dave. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. And you all have a wonderful evening. All right. You too. And to those of you who are watching and listening, Please don't forget to follow us on our social media outlets. Please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button as we don't want you to miss out on our great guests and great topics. We want to thank you all for tuning in and we will talk to you all later.